0: Good morning and welcome to the Open Door Christian Church. This morning can I invite you to go deeper with me for a while? For the next 25 30 minutes. Can we go deeper and walk on some waters maybe we've not where we've not been before or maybe we've been falling in drowning because our eyes haven't been kept on the one who rescues us? I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at the first five verses, verses 1 through 5. We're going to take a little trip with the Apostle Paul um, through some struggle and agony. So I have an opening question for you this morning. Would you process this with me before we read the Scripture? Here's the question for you this morning. Have you ever struggled with something so deeply so intensely that you literally agonized over it? Have you struggled with something so deeply, so intensely, that all you could do is agonize over it on the inside of your soul? Apostle Paul is struggling and agonizing on behalf of some people in the Colossian church, in the Laodicea, another church, in Heropolis, another church, that he loves so deeply and he's struggling for them. Chapter two, verse one, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this, verse 4, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul understood struggling intensely. He had this burning desire to see God work in the lives of these dear people, to supernaturally move, to save them and rescue them, and so that they could walk completely in the truth on top of the waters, as we just sang about. He agonized over people. Are you having the will to understand and embrace the mystery of how Jesus can change your life and mine? and the lives of those around us. And this struggling of hope, this intensity, this agony, was so profoundly deep inside of him. This isn't a new theme, actually. At the end of last week's message, verses 28 and 29 of chapter 1, he said this, pretty much the same thing. Him, Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone And teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His, God's energy, that He powerfully works within me. And then He comes, we come to verse 1. Understand this is a letter, there's no chapter. Divisions. There's no verses when he wrote it. He's just continuing the theme. And he says in verse 1, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Paul's struggle is personal. But it's not for himself. It's for you, he says. He's talking to the church at Colossae. He's talking to the church at Laodicea. He says, I'm struggling for you. And he's writing to the church, to people just like us here at the Open Door Christian Church. Now remember, Paul's in prison when he writes this letter. He's chained up. He's being held captive for the sake of the gospel, his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his thoughts are not on himself in that prison cell. His thought is not on his circumstances. He's struggling for the precious saints that he loves so much in the church. How's he struggling, you ask? I'm glad you asked. He's struggling by prayer. By prayer. He's agonizing in prayer. Agonizomai is the word there in the original language. It's where we get our word agony from in the English language. It means to struggle, to compete for a prize, to contend with an adversary. It means to fight and labor fervently for and to strive for. You see, Paul's way of contending for his brothers and sisters in Colossae and the other churches was by pounding the door of heaven and entering boldly into the throne room of God. He labored fervently. In prayer for hours and hours on end in that prison cell, because he loved, loved, loved the people of God so much. He entered into the spiritual battles that he would write about in Ephesians chapter six against the facing down the adversary who's seeking to destroy the church here in this text by false doctrine and heresy. Paul's pouring his heart, out because of the revelation of the hope that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And he went to war on their behalf in prayer because of that. Because he understood that true victory for all of us even today is grounded in the mystery of the Son of God who became flesh, died for us on the cross of Calvary, rose again from the dead, defeating death and sin and Satan. He was going to war for people's souls. Imagine the scene with me, if you would, for a moment of where he's at as he's writing this letter as he's expressing the great love he has for them and his prayers for them. And he's writing on what's called papyrus in the early days, a sheet of paper. And he's probably got a pen feather dipped in ink, and he's scrawling the message of love and the mystery of the Lord Jesus Christ across that page and expressing his love and as he does that for the church, he happens to glance down at his wrist. And he sees the chains that's holding him captive. He would write at the end of this letter, chapter 4, verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting to you with my own hand. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. I want you to know, he would say, how great a struggle I have for you. Remember my chains. Lest you think, church, that this is something abnormal, where one brother or sister agonizes and struggles for another, believe me, it's not abnormal. This week I conducted pastoral interviews because I want you, the church here, to understand how we, your pastors, struggle and pray and contend and fight for all of you. So on Tuesday morning, spontaneously, without any warning, I walked into offices, I called on the telephone, I sent a text message all the way to Portland, Oregon, to catch up with Pastor Patrick, and to ask this question of your pastors. And here's the question. As a pastor, tell me in two minutes or less what you, how you struggle and agonize for the people of the open door Christian church. Tell me how you agonize and struggle and contend for the people of the church we serve. I'm going to give you some of their answers. Pastors will remain unnamed. One said, I have this vision of what the body of Christ the church is supposed to be. I agonize over helping us become what the Bible template puts there for us to become as a church. I agonize over helping people bear each other's burdens, helping them come alongside each other and experience true body life in Christ. I lay awake at night looking at kingdom possibilities. Another pastor said, It's literally a struggle for physical life and death. I agonize over the battle to get people in front of the gospel. He said, Inside of me, I have this urgency because time is running out and people are literally dying. Therefore, there's such an urgency for them to hear about Jesus Christ and embrace Him. Another pastor said, I see the faces of people, and I'm wanting so deeply to help them connect here and to live in community with each other in Christ in this congregation. I lay awake at night, he said, seeing the faces of people who we did not help connect, and we blew it. I see the faces of people I love so very, very much. Another pastor... I struggle with people believing that attending church on Sunday somehow means that they're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I agonize. I agonize over all the adult problems that our youth and our children deal with. And if you were to ask me, I'll tell you what I struggle with. I struggle with broken lives and hurting hearts and helping people get out of their entrapment. They're the things I agonize over with on a moment-by-moment basis. I struggle so wanting to help people, to show them what spiritual freedom and living in a new identity that Jesus Christ offers them is really like, and the joy that comes in that. I agonize at night over relationships that are broken, that are falling apart, All the while knowing that Jesus Christ has and is the answer to their brokenness. You see, Paul said, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Remember my chains. And he goes on in verses 2 and 3 to say, here's what I'm struggling for. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How's your heart this morning? Paul said he was struggling that their hearts may be encouraged. Is your heart encouraged today? How's your faith this morning? Is your faith growing? Are are you allowing yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit, as Paul wrestled and struggled and agonized with, to be knit together in love to other believers around you? How are your relationships with one another here at the Open Door Church? Are they tight or are they loose? Are your relationships full of mercy and love and forgiveness? Do you consider the other brother or sister better than yourself? Do you have a hard attitude of loving and serving others? Because Jesus in his own life demonstrated that. And he said, I've come to serve, not to be served. And he demonstrated it by washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. You see, the Apostle Paul wants the Colossians to know that living like that Living like that is really reaching into all the riches of full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And he's saying to them, you don't have to go anywhere else to find or look for it. Because you're only going to find the truth of that mystery in Christ and Christ alone. Paul also knew that discouraged downcast people are easy prey for the world, the flesh, and the devil. Listen, there's a reason. There's a reason Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you want to know the fullness of joy in your life? Do you want to experience everything involved in this mystery of Christ? Jesus left heaven. He came down here, was born in human form like us, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, paying for all our sins so that you and I can live in the treasures of the mystery. As Paul said in chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what? You and I can live in that mystery too. We'll live in it if we put ourselves aside. If we'll open ourselves completely to the truth of God and His Word. And we'll stop pretending everything's okay when it's not okay. We'll live in the richness and the mystery of Christ when we take our masks off. We'll, and when we let our guard down. And if we'll say no to sin and say no to selfish ways and say yes to the beckoning call of Jesus, come follow me, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, a deep understanding of a new life given to you in Jesus Christ, that's what's going to grab your soul. A couple of months ago, I walked into Menards. I was looking for a special kind of glue. As I was walking down the aisle, I saw it. It's called power grab. You put that on a piece of wood on each piece, and you put that together with that power grab glue on it, and there isn't anything, anything that's going to detach that. It sticks to whatever it's attached to. Stick with me here. Power grab. It's, you, oh, that was a pun. And I didn't even know it. Thanks for laughing. Here it comes. Your pastors are wrestling and agonizing for you, all of you, and those who aren't here today. We see your faces. We see your faces all the time. We hear your groans of despair. We see you trying to go alone in life, and it's not working, and you know it's not working. And you're not willing to give it up for the, uh, for the broken relationship of a spouse. You're not willing to lay it all down and say, I'm here to serve you and love you and give myself to you. We see your addictions and we hear the words coming out of your mouth that everything's okay when it's not. Your life is falling apart. We see your faces, young people when you're in school and in your social so- circles and at the parties being offered drugs and booze and sex. We see your faces when the tempter of all temptations is trying to overtake you. We lay awake at night as your pastors struggling and praying to God for a supernatural power grab to rescue you from whatever's destroying your soul. May I ask you a question? What's holding you back? What's holding you back from entering fully into the freedom that comes to all who believe on the name of the risen Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ? What's holding you back from taking a hold of God's mystery, which is in Christ for you? Don't go looking for answers in other places, Paul says, when it's right in front of you, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know what the Apostle Paul calls the other things that you and I often go after looking for answers? He says they're plausible arguments. Verse 5, Verse. I'm sorry, verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Delude means a misleading belief. It means to deceive. Plausible, in a negative sense, is persuasive of speech. It's enticing words. They sound reasonable, but they don't hold water to the truth. And Paul's going right to the heart of the critical problem here in the Colossian church. And he's telling them, stop being persuaded and deluded by the arguments being presented that your faith in Jesus Christ is not enough. He said, these people are plausible liars and the truth is not in them. They're like wolves in sheep's clothing. They don't care about you. They only care about themselves and their deceiving arguments. So they can look good in their own eyes. See, that's what Paul was striving, agonizing, and praying against. The plausible arguments that were coming in, sneaking into the church. And look at verse 5. For he says, for though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit. Remember, he's in prison. For though I'm absent in body, with chains on his wrist. Yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. You see, Paul wanted them to stand firm in their faith in Jesus. That's what we hope for as your pastors here at The Open Door. We pray for that. Whenever someone's available at 9.15, Monday through Friday, we get together at the admin campus and we spend time praying for that. You see, our goal is to raise you up, mature in Christ, firm in your faith, every moment of every day, reveling in God's mystery, which is Christ, the hope of glory. You see, it's one thing for us as pastors to want that for you, But there's a bigger question that has to be asked. What do you want for you? What do you want for you? What are you striving and agonizing and toiling with all your energy for? What are you hungering and thirsting after in this life? What are you reaching for in this life? Paul's striving and agonizing, but not in his own strength. For this I toil, chapter 1, verse 31. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, God's energy, that he powerfully works within me. Remember my chains. What would Jesus say? Jesus would say, remember my cross. Jesus would say, remember my blood. Jesus would say, remember my nail-scarred hands. Remember the empty tomb. Remember my promise that I'm coming back for you again who believe in my name. Remember me, Jesus said. And toil and agonize and strive to live in the glorious richness of the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember, have you ever moved in your life? I'm talking about physically changing homes or towns or locations. Karen and I sat down and counted up one time. How long have we been married now? 100 years? Oh, no. Uh, 47 this uh, next month. Um, Well, thank you for that. Some days Karen would say it feels like 100 living with you. No, she wouldn't. We have a great marriage and thankful for her every day and she's thankful for me. We counted it up one day and we've discovered we've moved 14 times in 47 years. 14 times. A lot of times we were in the same town. We'd move to a town, rent a place, and then a year later decide where we really wanted to live and change houses or whatever. And most of those times there were two in one location, but that's not the point. The point is that one day Peter and the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee. They were in the boat crossing to the other side. Jesus had stayed behind them and sent them on ahead. And they were out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, Jesus came walking along on top of the water. They weren't sure it was him or a ghost, the Bible says there. And Peter, in his boldness, saw Jesus, who he thought was Jesus. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come, come. And Peter got out of the boat. And he walked on the water. The text says, and he came to Jesus. Do you want to know what the full mystery of Christ is? you want to experience it in your life? You need to make a move. You need to get out of the boat of your life you've created. And you need to walk and walk into the arms of the Savior, or wide open waiting for you. Jesus and the life that He has created for you. But you need to come. As your pastors, we want you to know that God sees your face more clearly than we do. The God of eternity sees and knows your face and he loves, loves, loves your face. But he really wants your surrendered heart to him. That's what he wants. And he's constantly whispering, come, come here. Come to me. And He's waiting for you to get out of the boat of your life right now and move towards Him and surrender your heart to Him. And when you do, a supernatural power grab will take, care, will take hold of your soul in the form of the Holy Spirit as the salvation of God falls fresh on you. And He won't let you go but you have to move you have to surrender you have to trust him with your life would you pray with me father I'm grateful for every face that's sitting here right now in this service every heart every soul and I'm grateful that no one of, none of them, not a single one of them, are alone right now. They may feel like it. They may think they are, but they're not. And I pray this morning that if someone doesn't know you, doesn't know the mystery of Christ in them, the hope of glory, that they will come to you. They will get out of the boat of their life. And walk by faith on the water to you, Lord Jesus. And God, when they begin to make that move, take hold of them and don't let go because you promised you won't. Father, help them to surrender, help them to trust, help them to move. And Father, for those of us who know you, we're all going through circumstances and trials and tribulations. We've got things that are eating away at us sometimes inside. We've got the enemy uh, speaking lies into our ears, whispers into our hearts that are not true. So God, help us to be reminded that the mystery of Christ is for us and he's the fullness of the deity of God who lives in us, the hope of glory. And you're enough. You are enough for us. And we're grateful for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.